the Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is sponsored by TJB Web Media, a New Jersey SEO marketing and WordPress web design company for businesses, churches, and nonprofits. They are the number one ranked company in Google for New Jersey SEO company and New Jersey internet marketing companies. Wherever you are in the country, you can use them as a web builder, as a web designer, and also to get more traffic to your current website. Today's podcast is for, um, fourteen, part 14 of Walking Backwards series John has been teaching on Sunday mornings at Church in the Woods at Freedom Ranch. Today, he talks about the renewing of the mind. Without further delay, here's John. Our study here today is Communion Sunday. And we have communion prepared. We'll be taking that here in a little bit, but I want to get back to the subject that we were talking about last week concerning this new lifestyle that we've been called to live. Each one of us as believers have been given a brand new lifestyle, a lifestyle that is exactly like Jesus, his lifestyle. And so we're studying that. We're trying to figure out what that looks like and how we enter into that lifestyle and the benefits of that lifestyle. So the Bible calls lifestyle by different words. Okay, It doesn't use lifestyle, but instead, especially in the King James English, it's going to use the word conversation. Okay, Your conversation, that's your lifestyle. Another word that he uses some 300 times in the, in the scriptures is your walk. How you walk, how you live out your lifestyle in this life. And so we've been studying that and then noting particularly that this lifestyle that we've been called to is totally backwards to the natural lifestyle we've all been raised up in, we've all been conditioned in. And in order to live this new lifestyle, we've got to have a radical change in our thinking. And that's what this passage is about here. I'm going to read it again to you so you understand the context, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. Paul writes this, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. I defined that for you last week as the vanity of their mind, meaning they're an airhead. Why are they an airhead? He goes on to explain. Having the understanding darkened, they're confused. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. They just don't know. They're ignorant. Because of the blindness of their heart. We're going to come back to that in a moment, but I want you to see this is why they're walking this natural lifestyle. But that natural lifestyle hurts, so he goes on to say, who being past feeling, 
have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. I know that's a mouthful, King James mouthful there. What he's saying is simply this. The natural lifestyle is so painful and such a miserable lifestyle that we turn ourselves over naturally to find anything we can to make ourselves feel good. Doesn't matter what it is, regardless of the consequences, all we care about is how we feel. And we want that feeling. But in contrast to that natural lifestyle, he goes on to say, but you, that's all of you, as well as the Ephesians, but you have not so learned Christ. Since you have heard him, you've had a personal encounter with Jesus. You've heard him and been taught by him as he is the source of all truth. Because of that, he says, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now here's the key of this new lifestyle we've been called to live. And it is backwards, I guarantee you. It's, it's not normal. It's not a normal lifestyle to live like Jesus lived here in this world. It is backwards. But the key to living that is right here between your own ears. It's in your mind. Now, the reason for that is fairly obvious. As the Scripture said, the proverb says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, everything you do, everything you say, starts first in your mind. So in order to live a different lifestyle, a backwards lifestyle especially, in order to live a new lifestyle, we're going to have to have our minds renewed. And that's what he's talking about here. Well, how does that happen? That's what we need to look at. We know the terrible consequences of natural mindset is, in a word, death in all various it's all of its various forms. That can mean a personal death. Psychologists call neurosis, psychosis, personality disorders. It can mean a social death such as incarceration, institutionalization. There are all different kinds of death we can experience as a result of that natural lifestyle. It can cause relational death. What lawyers would call, and judges call divorce, domestic violence, family breakdown. You see, all of that is a result of the natural lifestyle we live normally, naturally. We've all been conditioned that way. There isn't anybody born into this world 
that is not conditioned to live that way. So naturally, we're going to have to have a new lifestyle. Now, in order to have a new lifestyle, we've got to have a change in our thinking. That's what I want us to focus in on today. I want us to focus in on what he's talking about here, about us being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, in order to do that, you're going to have to understand a couple concepts about the mind. When the mind is not the brain, okay? That's even though the brain is a physical organ that is associated with the mind, it's not the brain. So he's not talking about you getting a brain transplant, okay? He's talking about your mind being renewed. The mind consists of two parts. One is called the conscious mind, which is that part of your thinking, your everyday life, in which you are consciously aware of. The moment you wake up and go throughout the day, your conscious mind is working. And an important thing to note about that conscious mind that I mentioned in our last study is that 82% of your brain activity associated with the conscious mind is taken up with what we call self-talk. 82%. That's most of it. So all day long, using your conscious mind, you're talking to yourself about yourself in light of your circumstances. Now, if I had the capability of implanting a little recorder inside your brain, and it recorded everything you said to yourself all day long, and you played it back, you would be amazed at how you've trashed yourself. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Most of that self-talk, I'd say 90% of it, is negative. Most of that self-talk is you're talking down to yourself. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands, but how many of you ever called yourself stupid? Hmm? Oh, that was a dumb thing to do. I think I did that yesterday. You're talking to yourself all day long about yourself, calling yourself various names. And that self-talk, that negative self-talk, is filled naturally with bold-faced lies. Did you know that? Yeah. Your self-talk is filled with lies about you and about your well-being, about your worth as a person. Now, in order to help you understand that, I've made up a, a little phrase, a couple of phrases that help you understand the negative negativity of your self-talk. Constantly throughout the day, as you think about yourself, which we all do because we're born selfish and self-centered, as you think about yourself in relationship to other people and other things and circumstances in your life, 
you're going to come up in some form with this lie. And I want you to recognize it as a lie. You're going to be saying to yourself, I will be worthy if dot, dot, dot. You can fill in the blank with anything you want. It's a lie. I will be worthy. Now, what do I mean by worthy? First of all, I'm talking about I'll be secure. I'll be loved, accepted, forgiven. I'll be significant. I'll be important. My life will have meaning and purpose, and I'll be adequate to fulfill that purpose. I'll be worthy if certain circumstances are arranged. But what makes that a lie is really not what you fill in the blank with. I'll be worthy if I get a better job. I'll be worthy if I buy a bigger house. I'll be worthy if I drive a newer car. I'll be worthy if I get the attention of certain people. I'll be worthy if nobody criticizes me. I mean, the list is on and on and on and on and on. It's infinite. You can fill in the blank with anything, even good stuff. I'll be worthy if I go to church. I'll be worthy if I read my Bible. I'll be worthy if I can learn to give to others. Still a lie. You know why? From cover to cover, the Bible declares one solid message. And that is because of who God has made you to be in Christ. You are right now worthy. Whether you feel like it or not. Whether other people see you that way or not. The fact is, the truth is, God has made you secure in His love, significant in His plan. Another way of saying it is that you are okay, especially Bill. You are okay right now, right like you are in the middle of this circumstance you're in. You're okay. You're not going to lose. You can't lose. Why? Because God has made you worthy. So instead of saying, I will be worthy if, now we can say, I am worthy because of who God has made me to be. You all follow that? And that's the truth. Whether it looks like it or not, whether other people think or not, doesn't really matter. God says and declares, written down in black and white, that He has made you worthy. So when we're running around telling ourselves all day long, I'll be worthy if, what are we really saying about ourselves? I will be worthy if, what are we saying about ourselves right now? Right now, I'm worthless. Right now, I'm not secure. Right now, I'm not loved. Right now, I'm not important. Right now, my life has no meaning to it. You say, 
when you say, I will be worthy, it's assumed that right now you're not worthy. But you've got to meet certain conditions in order to be worthy. And certain people have to like you in order to be worthy, etc., etc. Now, in our self-talk, in our conscious minds, this going constantly day after day, while we're awake, our self-talk is based not just upon what's going on around us right now, but there's another component of the mind we need to understand. And that is what psychologists would call the subconscious mind. It's underneath. The subconscious mind is the storehouse of all your experiences from the time even before you were born up to the present. Your subconscious mind has stored everything, coded and stored everything you've ever experienced. Good, bad, and ugly. And with those events that are stored, those various experiences you've had, they are stored in little compartments and held together by your emotions, your feelings that were present at the time you experienced it. And that's all stored down. It's all down there in that subconscious mind. What the Bible calls our subconscious mind is the heart. Remember he said one of the characteristics, besides being confused and ignorant, one of the characteristics of that empty-headed, mindless futility of our mind was the blindness of your heart. The heart is the subconscious storehouse so that everything that we experienced is stored there. Now, the conscious mind and the subconscious mind interact together. Retrieving information from your subconscious mind, or what the Bible calls the heart, and bringing it into your awareness, that function is called memory. And most of us complain that, you know, we don't have a good memory. We forget a lot of stuff. That's not the truth. That's not the truth at all. The truth is we have too good of a memory. And the truth is what we need is a good forgettery. Because you can't forget a lot of that stuff that has happened to you. You can't forget those experiences that you went through. And those memories will come back on you, break into your conscious mind for no apparent reason. Something will trigger in your environment. Something will trigger a memory that you've had from the past. And you will experience the feelings that you had in the past when that memory occurred. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details and the functions of that. I just want to point out to you how, de how important it is to have that heart 
that subconscious mind changed. Jesus, in his teaching, illustrated this to us as being, if you will, the heart of all our problems. Okay. What was he talking about? Well, in Matthew 15, I won't take the time here this morning because it's hot. I won't take the time to read through Matthew 15 with you. I'll just give you the story. The Pharisees and the scribes came antagonizing Jesus and his disciples because his disciples ate bread without washing their hands, ceremonially cleansing their hands, according to the traditions of the elders. And Jesus began an argument with them by saying, listen, you violate the commands of God by your traditions. And he goes on to pick out one that is has to do with caring for aging parents and so on. But then he comes down to this fact of what screws you up the most? What defiles you? What is it that causes you to be unclean? Now, the Jews in their traditions naturally would say, well, you can't eat unclean food, right? If you eat unclean food, you become unclean. Well, that unclean food they're talking about is stuff that I really like. Okay. I'm talking about bacon. That's unclean. And you can't mix meat dishes with milk dishes, so a ham and cheese sandwich is completely out of the question. So Jesus addressed that, but that, you know, it, it doesn't really give us the full impact because we're not living under that system anymore. So let me give you something, an illustration that will maybe help you understand what he was getting at. There are a lot of folks that think that addicts and alcoholics are the way they are because they drink and smoke dope. Oh, that's what's making them unclean. That's what's screwing them up. They're drinking. If they quit drinking, they wouldn't have any problems, right? If they quit drugging, they wouldn't have any problems, right? But here comes Jesus and he says, hey, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out. It's not the drugs that are defiling them. It's not the booze that defiles them. It's what comes out of their heart. And he goes on to explain here. For out of the heart proceeds, the first thing, evil thoughts. And then he goes on to list out several things like murder, adultery, theft, so on. He says they come from the heart, that subconscious mind, and that those thoughts are defiling the man. But I want to define evil thoughts for you here today in a little, little better way. 
when I first thought about evil thoughts, you know, I thought, well, you know, I can see this thought that I have that I want to choke the life out of this sucker and murder him, that being evil, okay? I can say, you know, this sexual lust and so forth being evil thoughts, okay? I can, I can kind of see that, but I missed the whole point, really. He distinguished those behaviors and that thinking from a generalized behavior when he said, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. Now let's connect it to what we've been studying here. Remember the two thoughts, general thoughts we're talking about? The one is, I will be worthy if, right? And the other is, I am worthy because. Now it's clear to see that the evil thought there is I will be worthy if, meaning right now I'm not worthy. But why is that so evil? I mean, that at first glance, that doesn't sound very evil, does it? It sounds like maybe you're in trouble, maybe you're depressed, maybe you're having problems, but not evil. Uh, but listen to it. When we say, I will be worthy if... We are doing what the writer of Hebrews warned us against. We are crucifying afresh the Son of God. How can that be? Well, think of it this way. Jesus has already done everything necessary to make you worthy. Right now. He's accomplished everything. When he died on the cross and said it is finished, it was a done deal. Everything to make you worthy has already been done. So when you say, right now I'm not worthy, but I will be worthy if, what you're really saying is, Jesus, I don't need you. And it really doesn't matter what you did. I don't care what you did to make me worthy, because what I believe is I will be worthy if I can get more money. I'll be worthy if other people like me. Whatever you fill in the blank with, it doesn't matter. Because what you're saying is, God, you're a liar. Your son Jesus died for nothing. And your spirit is a hoax. Because I will be worthy if. Does that sound a little more evil? When you start refusing to believe God concerning your worth as a person, it's evil. Basically what you're saying when those evil thoughts are being rehearsed over and over in your conscious mind, basically what you're saying is, Jesus, you're a wimp. You died for nothing. I don't care what you've done. I will be worthy if I can make myself worthy. Those evil thoughts, he said, are what defile us. They come out of our hearts. Now, those evil thoughts are the same thing that Paul calls, back in our context here, deceitful lusts, desires. They're deceitful. Why? Because you're already worthy. But those thoughts say you aren't. 
you're not worthy. Now, in order for us to live out this new lifestyle we're talking about, a lifestyle of grace and truth, in order for us to live out this new lifestyle, we are going to have to have our minds renewed from the inside out. Thankfully, God is in the process of doing that very thing. In fact, that's why He put His Spirit inside of you to guide you into all truth concerning yourself, that you are worthy. He put His Spirit inside of you and called Him the Comforter to comfort you in all your conflict. So the bottom line here is we need to have our, the spirit of our minds renewed. Now, exactly how does he do that? It's important for us to understand that it's not just a instantaneous boom, your spirit, your mind is renewed. No. It's a lifestyle of experiences. It begins when your mind is is renewed and you are being transferred from the transformed rather from the inside out. That's what Paul told the Romans. He said, I don't want you to continue to be pressed into the mold of your natural conditioning in this world, but I want you to be transformed. I want you to be changed. I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is this so important? Well, remember, everything we do and everything we say starts right here in the mind with what we think first and foremost about ourselves. Because if you're running around trashing yourself all day long saying, right now I'm worthless, but I will be worthy if, you're going to feel like trash. That's what you're talking to yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. But if you can learn to tell yourself the truth, having your mind, the spirit of your mind renewed, and you can actually believe I am worthy because of who God has made me to be, then your feelings and actions are radically different. Your relationships with others are radically different. So it all starts right here. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to jump here to the rest of this chapter real quick, just to illustrate this change in our thinking. How does it work out practically in our lives? And so he goes on. He says, once you've been renewed in the spirit of mind and you put on the new man, that is your new identity in Christ, which is worthy, by the way, you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, that's who you really are. He says, Here, here's how you can lie. Here's how you can live. First of all, you can stop lying. Stop lying to yourself and lying to other people. You don't have to lie anymore. Well, how am I going to do that? Now, there's some people want to try to quit lying because they recognize that's not a good thing for a Christian to do. And so they want to stop lying and they dedicate themselves to stop lying and they wind up lying anyhow. You see, if we really wanted to stop lying in our own effort, and our own strength, we'd have to go to Walmart, buy some duct tape, put it over our mouth. We couldn't talk anymore. 
quit lying. Well, how do you quit lying? He goes on to tell us right here. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. The only way you're going to quit lying is to start speaking the truth. That's the only way you can quit lying. He doesn't stop there. It says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the demon. What? When you get angry, he says, I don't want you to sin. See, anger is not a sin. But anger degenerates quickly into hatred, which is a sin. You're angry when people upset you. You're angry when things don't happen. That's not a sin. That's being angry. What you do with that anger makes a difference. He says, don't let the sun go down upon the wrath. Deal with it quickly. When you get angry, the only way you can deal with it is to come back to the truth of who you are. I am worthy, even though these guys piss me off. Be angry and sin not. Then he goes on to say, in another application, neither uh, let him that stole, that's the theft, let him that stole, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needs. Well, how are you going to quit ripping people off? You say, I don't steal. I beg the difference. Stealing is not just that you break into a house and take something. You steal time from people. You steal all kinds of blessings from people. You don't even realize it. Well, how are you going to quit that? By working with your own hands, the thing that is good, that you're able to give to others. The way you quit stealing is to give. Now, you begin to see a different lifestyle taking form here. We're not lying. We're speaking the truth. We're not angry and degenerating into hatred. We're dealing with it quickly. We're not stealing from people. We're giving. See, there's a whole new lifestyle that is generated from that change in thinking. When you realize that you are in fact worthy, secure in God's love and significant in His plan, when you hear the Father tell you in your own mind in that personal encounter you have through His Spirit, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. When you hear that, your mind is renewed, being renewed. And the lifestyle that follows from that is going to be the lifestyle of Christ. You see, that's how Jesus lived his lifestyle. He lived his lifestyle because he knew who he was. He lived his, that lifestyle because his personal needs were met in the Father. Now, getting back to our, our subject here, that lifestyle is lived out only by faith. To believe that you're worthy when all the evidence around you tells you you're worthless, requires mountain-moving faith. But you don't have to have much of it. Remember what Jesus said? 
if you had the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, little tiny bitty faith, you'd move mountains. You see, it doesn't take a whole bunch of faith. It takes you using what faith God has given you to believe that you are in fact worthy, that you are God's beloved child in whom he is well pleased, and all the benefits that go with that. You see, Paul calls it to that same kind of concept all the way through his letters. In Romans, he said, count on the fact that you're dead to sin and alive unto God because you're worthy. You see, he repeatedly calls us to think that way. Now, our subconscious mind is, con is contains all these lies that we've got to counter with the truth. The good news is this. Jesus said, I'm going to send my comforter to you. He's going to comfort you just like I did. And when he comes, he's going to teach you. And he's going to guide you into all truth. The Spirit is going to teach you and tell you the truth of who God said he made you to be, despite the lies in your subconscious mind or heart, despite the lies of the people around you and the culture and the condition we live in. The Spirit of God is going to guide you into all truth and empower you to live out that new lifestyle. Now, the beauty of this change in our thinking is that it's progressive. You know, it's not a one-shot deal. I don't know about you all, but it, it takes me more, more than one time to learn something. And it is going to be a continuous process of learning. So we've got some other things to consider in this process. And one of them is going to be represented by what we're going to do right now, and that is observe communion. So you men who are going to serve communion, go ahead and get it ready for us and bring it out. And while they're doing that, I want to make this connection with you. Communion is a picture. Last week we had a baptism. By the way, there's still water here. If you're hot and you want to get in there, you can. We had a baptism. That was a picture. A picture that actually, as they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. Okay, a, a picture that actually speaks the truth to the deepest part of your being, that is your subconscious mind. Because you see, your subconscious mind doesn't think in words and, and sentences. Your conscious mind does, but your subconscious mind doesn't. Your subconscious mind thinks in pictures and symbols. That's why when you dream, it's not like reading a book. You see vision. You see, see the images. It's like watching a movie. Jesus knows that about our minds. And he wants to get his truth into the deepest part of our minds that are our subconscious mind or our hearts. He does that with pictures. Last week, we had a picture in a baptism. Charlie was baptized last week, and he went down into the water. That pictures his death with Christ on the cross. 
the old Charlie was crucified and buried with him, is going under the water, pictures his burial with Christ and the certainty of his death. But his coming up out of the water pictures his resurrection with Christ so that Charlie's not the same man he used to be. He's a brand new person. Charlie is worthy because of what God has done for him in Christ. See, that picture, while we observe that, it goes beyond words, way beyond words. And it gets deep into our subconscious mind, a picture revealing the gospel. Well, what we're about to, to celebrate here this morning as we close our service with communion is another picture. It's a picture of having a meal, a special meal. Now, when you sit down to a meal, and I love this because, you know, I usually here I'm complaining about my not having a good forgetter, but really, I don't have a very good memory when it comes to names. And I've thought many, many times about insisting that you all wear name tags. Okay. So I know who you are by name. But if I really want to learn your name and your identity, you know what I'll do? I'll sit down and eat a meal with you. We'll have a meal together. And I'll find out all about you. And I won't forget your name. See, the meal that Jesus instituted is a picture for us. It's called communion. On the night before it's crucified, he instituted this meal with his disciples in the upper room, and we continue it yet today to remember him and to get this picture in our mind of our fellowship with him. It's like sitting down and eating a meal with Jesus. And that picture in our mind gives us the practical benefits of the gospel. What the gospel does for us, we couldn't do for ourselves. Now, that night, come on over here, guys. Right here. Right here. That's what I tell my dog. That night, he took a cup, and he said, he announced, okay, this is the blood of of the new covenant which is shed for the remission of sins of many. What does that mean? It means he was talking about a symbol of his sacrifice, his shedding his own blood on the cross, his death on our behalf that would free us, that we might have full fellowship with God with he and the Father. You see, what he was doing was cleaning us up so that we could go to dinner with him, so we could have fellowship with him without any hindrance. And he also took the bread, and when he had broken it, he said, this is my body which is being broken for you. Now, there he wasn't talking about the physical body that hung on the cross. There was no bone broken in that body. What he was talking about is the spiritual body. What Paul would elaborate on later as being the body of Christ. And all of us are members 
one of another. But it's broken. What does it mean by broken? It's broken down into small groups where you can enjoy the fellowship, not only with God, but with one another as well. So the, the picture that we have by communion here is a picture of our fellowship with God and with one another. Because we have fellowship with God, we can have fellowship one with another. Because God loves us, we can actually love others around us. And that's what this picture represents. Now that night, he blessed the elements. So let's pray. Father God, as we come into your presence right now, I thank you. I thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus, and for the body, which is broken for us. And I thank you, Father, and ask you to bless these elements to our understanding. For these things we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes. 